and welcome back to another episode of Artist Avenue. Today I am chatting to the wonderful Erin Street. Erin is a performer and singing teacher in training from Wellington, New Zealand. Her favourite roles to date have been Carrie in the New Zealand premiere of Carrie the Musical and Mary Robert in the Australasian premiere of Sister Act the Musical. She has just launched the lovely Erin Street Vocal Studio, so make sure to check it out as there are some exciting masterclasses launching soon. Before we dive into Erin's incredibly unique journey, I would like to remind you that due to the current circumstances, we had to record this episode remotely via Zoom. Therefore, the quality might suffer at points. Nevertheless, please keep listening. As I always say, for a 2021 podcast, it's content over technical quality. So without further ado, enjoy this wonderful episode. Hi Erin, welcome to Artist Avenue. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. How are you doing today? I'm grand. I'm so excited to be having this chat with you. It's like a little beacon of happiness in an otherwise bleak midwinter England day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to have you on as well. Do you want to start off by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do? Can do. So I'm obviously, I'm Erin. I'm from New Zealand or New Zealand as people might know it. And I am a performer, I guess. I, I've got lots of strings to my bow. So I'm a performer. I'm a qualified primary school teacher. I teach singing. I'm working on my training for that. Uh, what else do I do? <laughs> I'm currently working in retail. Um, yeah, I've done lots of things during my time. I've done lots sort of behind the scenes as well, um, particularly in the music departments of performing. I've worked as sort of a director's assistant, a production assistant, a um, bit of a, a Jane of all trades or a Jill yes. of all trades. I'm not sure which one it is, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do a lot. That's, I mean, that's a very long-winded way of introducing myself. It's marvellous. It's unique. <laughs> yeah. People are like, what do you do? And I'm like, mm, a bit of everything. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Great. Do you want to take us back to your once upon a time where it all started for you? I think, I mean, I've always been very theatrical. I remember vividly dressing up at my grandparents' house. They had like one of those really old CD players where you put six CDs in and it shuffles them. So it was like an old school, like Spotify, I guess. I was gonna they say were iPod, so amazing. <laughs> I was going to say iPod, but that shows my age as well. Yeah. So it was like an old school Spotify. Um, and there was always 100% of the time the ABBA gold disc in there. Mm-hmm. Abba Gold and the Beatles won and the Beatles I was like nah this is this is cool but like it's not it's not my jam and as soon as the Abba came on I'd like run into my grand's bedroom pull out all of her silk scarves like tuck them into my clothes make an outfit and like dance around with like flapping the silk scarf around like grade six ballet singing along and being like great everybody look at me now it's <sighs> we're doing a show you just have your cup of tea but listen and look at me I'm I'm, I'm a star I was like four years old <laughs> and it kind of just went from there mm-hmm. and yeah and then very nerdily I saw the Harry Potter films when I was maybe like eight and I was like oh yeah yeah this is what I want to do I want to be an actor and I've sort of gone away from wanting to be on film I much prefer 
stage work to film work but yeah I think the the key bit of the Harry Potter thing that sparked it was that I wanted to be at Hogwarts more than I wanted to be on screen <laughs> it was like magical but um yeah the the love of performing and slipping into somebody else's story was always I, I loved it so much and it's not that I had you know an unhappy childhood or anything like that it was a very standard childhood by all accounts um but I just loved not being me for a while and like as I've grown up that's I'm, I'm very introverted and it's grown a lot into that where I'm like ah oh, cool I don't have to be me so if you said to me right now cool sing a song as Erin I'd be like uh, no thank you but if you said right cool you're Carrie you've just destroyed the school you're going to kill everybody I'd be like sweet let's belt that high e it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's the mag- it's magical though, isn't it? To be able to like slip in and out of different roles. And the thing that you said with Harry Potter, that's so interesting because I guess we all had it when we were such as at a small age, like, and then you see this magical world just expanding on screen. That yeah. that's just now that you've said it, I didn't never thought about it that way. I mean, I am rereading the books for like the 47th time at the moment. So. <laughs> It was a huge part of growing up was escaping into this like magical world. And I guess sort of acting and being someone else is kind of, it's, it's a similar kind of thing, isn't it? Where you, you get to explore a, a reality that's not yours and have thoughts and processes that aren't yours. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, being in a theater and experiencing like a shared journey, I know that sounds a bit wanky, but you know what I mean? With the performers and the audience telling this, the performers tell the story and the audience like in the palm of your hand coming along and experiencing it with you. That as far as I'm concerned, that's the closest thing to like real life magic we've got. Yeah, that's so beautifully yeah. put. Yeah, it was, um, I sort of realized it when I I was doing Sister Act back home and I was Mary Robert and I, I was doing the big, you know, life I never led. Um, and one of the ladies who was in the orchestra pit came up to me after the show and was like, I heard somebody like, weeping in the front row and she like was able to sort of sneak a wee look and it was this big like burly rugby lad and this was in like Taranaki which is a very provincial kind of part of New Zealand lots of farming lots of like um, industrial work and it was this really big beefy like rugby lad having this little cry and I think that's great like the fact that one when you're in a theater you're in the dark you get to be a bit anonymous you get to just feel things so whether or not he would let those emotions out normally I don't know if he does amazing if he doesn't even more amazing that he felt safe to do it in a theater but it was you know like I'm telling this story and it's about living the life you never led like taking the opportunities that you were always too scared to take and something in that touched a nerve for him that made him like physically feel something you know and have that really visceral reaction to that story and I just think that's incredible the fact that I can be standing on a stage or like any performer we can be stood on a stage either telling this amazing story through dance through acting through song through any kind of performance and the audience will feel it it's like you get to share this emotion in this beautiful space of like, you know, these theatres with this gilt gold everywhere. I don't know. I just love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. No, it is very, very special. And can I ask you, because you said obviously like you found it through screen. How did you switch from screen to mm-hmm. finding the stage love? 
So I actually started with like stage lessons and stuff when I was about six because I was like, oh, I want to be an actor. So I started, you know, doing this. I think I was the youngest kid in the drama class and probably annoyed everyone. I was only really doing it because I had a crush on the guy who was a bit older than me and he went to the same dance school as me and he's like, oh, yeah, I do these drama classes. Like, okay, I'll do that too. And, yeah, that sort of – it just grew. It was like every aspect of my childhood was somehow – and my whole life is somehow linked to performing. But, yeah, when I got to uni – that's when I started, I studied film. And so obviously we had to sort of work with cameras and we did some student films and I hated it because <laughs> I'm such a perfectionist. I was like, no, that takes wrong. I can't, I can't cope with that. Or, you know, like if you just flick your eyes over and you catch the camera and you're like, no, nope, that's ruined. We can't use that. I don't know. I just feel so much more pressure when there's a camera in front of me. Like even now, just talking to you, I feel so much more of that. Well, I have to get it right even though like there's not anything wrong that you could do. Yeah. There's, I just feel so much more pressure with screen than with stage. And I think it's as well because with screen you do it in segments. So you chop and change and you stop and start. Whereas for me as a performer, I find it so much easier to be in my character and tell the flow, like the the story the whole way through. Yeah. Cause you, you know, your arc, you don't have to sort of go cool. Uh, If you're Batman, like you don't, start at the end of the movie going right well I've saved everyone and then you jump back to the start and you go right well my parents are dead and I've got the joker on the loose and you don't have to sort of try and jump between them whereas you know if you're playing it on stage you you get I guess it's the satisfaction of going right through yeah and you get really satisfying character I don't know I don't know just something about screen is not for me Mm. no I mean I must honestly say like I, for a very, very long time, a stupidly long time, never realized that they don't film screen stuff chronologically. I always thought you did. And then it wasn't until I started training that I was like, they don't? Oh, they start like in the middle or at the end? I had no clue. And still till this day, it baffles me. It it just... I've got so much respect for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if you're a screen performer and you can get like you know Meryl Streep take the top of the top like the performances that she can give and it's obviously filmed completely out of sequence I have so much respect for actors like that because I just can't (laughs) it just doesn't make sense to my uh my little brain Mm. and they also don't have that um rehearsal period that we have because I know you get a read-through but then afterwards like I know a lot of 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 the people just go and have to do it on set yeah yeah Almost a lot of the time, yeah, you get sent your script with your lines on. I, I know a few, um, like there's a TV show back home where you'll quite often get sent your your script like the night before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, okay, well, I'm not going to have my lines down. <laughs> I find, yes, I think maybe that's part of it for me with screen is I love the rehearsal process mm-hmm. and being able to have that time to properly explore the psychological motivation not that you wouldn't do that with screen you've just got such a tight time with it Mm. yeah and I find for me learning lines as well the movement locks it into my brain so if I've only got say a day's worth of rehearsal to get that entire thing down mm, it'll be touchy it'll be give give me a week and it'll be all right (laughs) just a bit more time for us please that's that's it that's me and my dance calls as well I'm like oh half an hour Mm -mm -mm. give me a day and I'll be all right (laughs) 
Um, and then how was your journey auditioning for for schools and colleges? Did you have that journey? I did not. I mm-hmm. am a completely untrained entity. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I have auditioned for courses and things like that. Like I did the New Zealand singing school a couple of years ago. And that was, it's not really high stakes, but I was terrified. Um, we've got some really amazing tutors that you get to work with on that course who, you know, like we had a couple of West End musical directors we were working with. We had a couple of um, incredible singing teachers from Australia, a couple of amazing ones from New Zealand, a couple of directors who um, I knew of previously, but, you know, work internationally all the time. And so you get to work with this incredible faculty. It is, it's basically a summer school, but like the pressure that I felt for that audition was insane. Other than that, I haven't really had to audition for courses. I've sort of just gained gained my stripes by doing more than anything. How did your creative career then progress? I kind of, I'm very stubborn, <laughs> so I just didn't stop. Um, which obviously, you know, in an industry where you get an awful lot of no's and I have had a lot of no's even for, you know, amateur productions because there's so many, there's not an awful lot of professional work back home. So the people who do go for it, there's, you know, a lot, like over here, there's a lot of people going for such a small amount of jobs. Mm-hmm. So I think just, just the process is to just keep keep at it. Like, you know, any success that I've had is um, a matter of just not stopping. Mm -hmm. But yeah, does that make sense? It just sort of, it seems to me that auditioning and not getting the role is not a failure because you learn so much from every audition. Um, Like I went into um, a call for six, like the week that I arrived in the UK and it was a dance call and I made such a dick of myself because I'm not I'm not a dancer first at all I'm a very confident well no I'm not very confident I'm a very enthusiastic mover and I can be a confident mover and I can dance if you give me long enough with the material to lock it into my body but my brain just doesn't translate it to moves as quick and this was an incredibly I guess contemporary and commercial kind of movement audition and they're going and a gut 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 and I was like, what is a gut, gut, gut? Where's a deflape? Where's a plie? Like, <laughs> am I in first or am I in fifth? Like, what do we, oh, it's, it's a, a gut, gut, gut. Okay, it's your ribs, <laughs> right? So I took that as more of a learning opportunity than, you know, I walked into it going, I could 100% would love to be in six, absolutely. And I think I could probably sing it and I could play it. And I could dance it if you gave me enough time with the material. But in terms of going into it for an audition, I was like, right, well, this is not my strength. So I'm going to get from it what I can to make it worth my time. Not that it's never not worth your time to go into an audition, but do you know what I mean? Like it's that getting something from it so that you're not walking away going, well, I bombed there. I absolutely, am I allowed to swear? Yes. I was about to say, well, I absolutely fucked that up. Um, you know, so you don't walk away from things feeling deflated and feeling like you've absolutely just cocked the whole thing up. Like if you can find something in it that's useful, then it's not a waste for yourself. 
Yeah, I think it's such a vital point because I think sometimes we forget how what an amazing opportunity an audition is to work as a workshop as Absolutely. well. So it, I know we always have that pressure when we go in, we're like, oh my God, we really want the job or things like that. But actually, if you sit back and relax, whatever happens, you're just growing. First of all, you're growing because you're there, you know, yeah. be it an open call or a closed call, you are there auditioning. That's like yeah. a massive learning curve. And then taking away new skills and like every room reads differently as well. So I think that's really, Absolutely. really valid that you just said that. Yeah, it's it's so huge. I mean, I look at an audition as a performance. Mm. So the best audition experience I ever had um, was back home for Mary Poppins. And I didn't get the job. I found out a few months later, I was down to like top five for the alternate Mary that they were considering, but I was in the wrong city and it just wouldn't have worked. So you know, they, they were like, no, we'll just stick to the people that are in the city. It's easier, which fair enough. But I had such a great time with that audition because I was like, do you know what? Even if I don't get the job, I'm going to walk into that room and I'm going to be Mary for five minutes. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, I didn't walk in there and go, oh, hello, I'm I'm Erin. This is, uh, I was like, hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mary for the next five minutes. Uh, I will be your Mary today. <laughs> And the confidence you get, it is faking it till you make it. But, you know, in those five minutes, you do get to play that role. Mm. Like, and the panel want to see what your interpretation could be. What can you bring to it? They're not looking to see you make a dick of yourself. They don't want to see you fail. They want to see you at your best, obviously. So, you know, if you walk in confidently going right well this is a performance I know my material I know what I've worked like I know my rep I've done the work I've learned the lines let's go and then you get to workshop it for five minutes and it was just I loved it I love looking at auditions like that dance calls not so much but you know we've already talked about that (laughs) yeah no but that's also very very valid as well because you just said like you go in there and you are the role already yeah so like worrying about like oh am I going to be okay for this is this the right role for me or not like you're obviously there auditioning for the role so it's already in you somehow yeah exactly and it I mean it's a cliche we hear it so much like we're all very unique we'll all bring a very unique thing to a role so like you know uh, I've been up for the same role as some of my really good friends and they are incredibly talented performers and it's like, but we do it completely differently. Mm. You know, like when I did Carrie back home and I, I was lucky enough to get the role for that. That was incredible. But there were so many girls in that room. that I was like, oh my God, I love them all. They're incredible. They'd be amazing at this, you know? And I think that helps as well as having that attitude of, uh, it's like, I've, I've been reading You Are a Badass and it's, and, and listening to um, Steph's podcast happy heart Mm -hmm. and it's talking about that lack mindset if you go into an audition and you're like oh my god they're so much better than me I'm not good enough which there'll always be an aspect of that because you know there is that comparison you you will be compared but they're not looking to be like "Mm, well she's taller so it's like who cares who cares like don't walk in there and try to be something you're not go in and be like this is me here's what I can bring to it. Is that what you're looking for? And the panel will either go, yes, it is, or no, it's not. Sorry, we'll see you next time. Mm, absolutely. You know, 
I just got really excited when you said that you're a badass. <laughs> I've got all the collection. Good, I'm like, it's such a good book. It is, isn't it? Kindle full of things. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, you've got your Kindle. Yeah, I'm loving it. Hundred percent. As as a person who has always been a very book friendly person and wants a library and when I buy my house I am loving my Kindle it makes traveling a lot easier because when I moved over I bought about six or seven books with me (laughs) and moving home I'm taking my Kindle Kindle. yeah (laughs) absolutely but it's got like 40 books on it so it's good it's it's a win it's a win Mm, absolutely (laughs) um and how did you like obviously you are from New Zealand and now you also came to the UK. Mm-hmm. What are the key differences that you have experienced between the two countries in the industry? Uh, it's a lot more cutthroat over here. <laughs> <laughs> so like back home, because it's such, I mean, we've got 5 million people in the whole country. So you know everyone. Over here, obviously, you know, you get to know people. But like I could walk into a room back home and be like, oh, hey, was I? how's it going? Good to see you again because you just know people like everyone will know everyone and I know it's a bit like that over here but obviously there's just so many more people so you you do have to have a bit of a thicker skin over here I think I think especially the other thing as well is that there's a lot more work over here so you know you if you don't get one job that's fine you've got an audition next week you might get that job or um your working in retail or at Tesco's or as a waitress just to like keep the money going and I find over here it seems to be that uh, your employers are a lot more understanding if they know you're a performer and you're like well I've got an audition I've got to go I'm sorry mm-hmm. obviously not ideal to just walk out of your job halfway through your shift but it seems to be a little bit more understood than back home like I had um, an audition back home for something and I was trying, no, not an audition. It was a production week. And I was trying to like schedule um, my my day job around the production week. And I was just waiting for the schedule and waiting for the schedule and waiting for the schedule. Mm-hmm. Finally got the schedule, but I'd been put on all week because I hadn't had a chance to work around it. I hadn't had the info in time. And it was a nightmare <laughs> trying to jiggle it around. Resulted in, you know, almost almost getting cut from a lot of numbers almost getting um put on like disciplinary at work but I mean it it all worked out in the end but it was very stressful Mm. yeah no I think I I definitely noticed it um coming over here as well I was so scared that you know I was going to come over and be like this this girl from the middle of nowhere at the bottom of the world and people be like oh oh honey but it's been nothing like that at all everyone that I have met or worked with over the last year has just been absolutely incredible and so lovely like I I really didn't need to be as scared as I was (laughs) and even now I'm still trying to get myself out of that mindset of like it's almost imposter syndrome where you know you build up those walls to protect yourself but you don't need to yeah and that goes back to like what I was saying about the audition rooms you know you, you just have to be yourself it's so cliche and I'm so bad at it but it's so true it is, isn't it? Can I just ask you as well about the differences between New Zealand and UK? Obviously, we're still on the topic. But like, mm-hmm. how is it in New Zealand? Do you have big theatres as well? Or like commercial theatres as well? Like, because I know Australia does. Mm-hmm. Would New um, Zealand be the same? Uh, not 
huge, huge, but we do have like big regional theatres. So mm-hmm. I grew up in Wellington where we've got the Opera House and the St. James Theatre. The Opera House is my favourite building in the entire world. Like I step into those brick corridors backstage in the dressing room. So I'm like, I'm home. And it's like, it's just got this, you know, when like old theatres kind of have that old theatre smell. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I love it. I love it. It's just, it's honestly just like life gets like breathed into me when I walk in there. But yeah, I mean, the Opera House is, I think, 1300 seater. The St. James, I think, is about 2000, two and a half, something like that. And then Auckland, you've got the Civic Theatre, which is incredible. It's, oh God, it's like a special kind of theatre that was hugely popular back in the day. Uh, I want to Google it. It was, <laughs> it's like an art deco something or other. I can't remember what the name of the theatre is called, but it's made to look like you're sat under the stars. So like the roof of the theatre is like peppered with little stars where you would have like the boxes either side of the stage. It's like made to look like almost like you're in India with like, and like trestles. It's it's kind of like India and Greece had a baby. Um <laughs> very odd mix but like the shape of like an Indian building with like the trestles lines of a Greek terrace Mm -hmm. and it is just incredible it's so beautiful um I've seen a few shows there and it's stunning as I've been saying all day (laughs) stunning (laughs) but yeah we do definitely have them Mm -hmm. um but they're very expensive to hire (laughs) I can imagine huge yeah, they're not hugely accessible um, for amateur societies, which is what we've got a lot of. So mm-hmm. you sort of find the amateur ones in the more fringy venues and then you'll get like the Royal New Zealand Ballet or the Opera into the big ones or um, the touring casts from Australia. Mm. So yeah. from a culture perspective, what is is there a discipline or an art form that is more looked up to in New Zealand? Ballet and opera. <laughs> yeah. And yeah even even dance more so like we've got so we've got the New Zealand School of Music and they will teach you how to sing opera mm-hmm. with or you know orchestral music or anything down like very academic music routes we've got um the New Zealand School of Dance which I think focuses more on sort of ballet and contemporary and then you've got NASDA which is I don't know what it stands for national academy or something dramatic I don't know but they do musical theatre down there um and we've got a place called Tiawaha, which is in Wellington um and they do it's basically performing arts school but I think in terms of training now I'm going to sound elitist and snobby I for musical theatre I'd probably go overseas mm-hmm. to train mainly I think to have the the name of the school <laughs> and be like mm, yes I went to RADA mm. um <laughs> We'll be like, oh, oh, um, central, central school. Oh, uh, you know what I mean? Like just to have that kind of prestige. I did actually have a friend who studied at what used to be called Wellington Performing Arts Centre. And when she came over here to do theatre and performing, she actually got told, take that school off your CV because people don't know it. And it's better to look untrained than to go to a school that people don't know, which I thought was ridiculous. 
it's this is such an interesting topic and I'm only saying this because I've had a conversation with someone else a few days ago and it's so interesting how it's popping back up it seems so first of all that going overseas to train I think that's quite common as well in Germany as well people are like oh I want to go to England and train I want to have the prestige of the yeah. school and everything whereas in Germany they actually have some really banging schools like they're absolutely really some of them um but it's like that image that we have about like going outside and like getting some sort of elite other training but then again on the flip side it is probably more beneficial to go and train in the west end or somewhere closer mm. to broadway because like the resources are there like it that's it flourishes out like you have people that come i don't know oh i just have a show in wicked tonight but here i am i'm teaching you guys so that is a benefit but then the thing with the like school and like all that stuff of like your cv if you've trained somewhere else that's like a bureaucracy thing yeah in a way that it's so interesting that it's more important to see what's on your cv rather than to focus what talent you have in the room thank you <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> i'm like don't look at my cv my cv is is fairly empty really like there's not a lot on it but at the same time i'm like well i, I called an e is that any good to you like <laughs> but that does seem to be quite widespread in the uk with a bureaucracy thing yeah. because in other countries it's still yes of course it, it matters i guess where you train stuff but like a lot of the times the other countries will get you into the room like you'll yeah. get into the room whereas i think in the uk it's quite hard to get into the room if you don't have specific things written on your spotlight yeah. cv or if you don't have the specific agent so it's really interesting to see how different countries work differently in that aspect yeah and it's um i think with the uk it's because it's an old old country right so there's mm. like there is a big history because I found this not even in the performing arts industry, just in a lot of aspects of UK life is it's, oh, well, this is how it's always been done and it's always been fine. So why would we change? Yeah. It's like a tradition and, that goes through and has yeah. stayed there. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. Very much, very traditional. Whereas, you know, somewhere like New Zealand with, we were colonized in 1840 um, obviously, we've got history before 1840, but that goes into sort of, you know, the Māori history and before that, the Moriori history. And it's, you know, I mean, Māori performing arts is stunning. Like a kapahaka group, you must go and look it up. It's more than just like the haka that you see on on the rugby. It's incredible. Like I will get chills right up my spine as soon as I hear um, a kapahaka group with like the strum of that guitar. Mm. It's, yeah, stunning. But then obviously we were colonised by Britain. And so we became a very British country. But we're still so new that people have gone, ah, do you know what? Actually, no, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm going to do it this way. And Kiwis have always been like, oh, no, nah, she'll be right. We'll just stick a bit of gaff tape on it. I'll be fine. <laughs> like we've always sort of been quite, it, it's known kind of as Kiwi ingenuity where we're like, nah, we'll just make it work. And I think that's happened a lot in New Zealand is that because we're so new, we're, we're sort of, we haven't got those thousand year old traditions. Like, I mean, in England, you've got Shakespeare back to 1500. Mm. You've got, um, there, were, there were like touring players and stuff that went around in the 500 years before Shakespeare. You know, even in like 
something like Game of Thrones, you see those little groups of like touring actors who mm-hmm. go around and tell the story of the kings and the queens. Like that goes right back. And I'm sure I might sound ignorant now because I just can't remember my degree because it was so long ago. Um, but I'm sure there were people who toured around like in the Middle Ages and even before that telling myths, you know. You can go right back to Greek theatre, obviously. That goes right back. And so, I mean, that kind of stuff would have eventually migrated over. Mm. Storytelling has been such a huge part of English history. And it's a huge part of Kiwi history as well. And in terms of like the Māori, Māori history, is it's an oral history. They, the stories have been passed on by talking. But that's very different to sitting down, learning your lines and going and doing, I don't know, Antony and Cleopatra yeah. at the Globe. It's very different, you know what I mean? And I think that factors in. Yeah. We're coming towards the end of the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few questions that I always ask and you're going to hear them now. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is, in your opinion, what unites us as creatives? Oh, I think, I think it's passion. I think that just as, as one word to overarch everything, because I mean, it doesn't matter what aspect of creative work you're doing you're passionate about telling a story or making people think differently. Yeah, passion and maybe humanity might That's be the word. One. Because the one. arts, I mean, going back to what I learned at uni, because I did learn some things, we, f- like, first lecture on theatre was, like, cool, the purpose of theatre is to entertain. And then a few lectures down the track, it's like, and it's also to provoke thought and to make you think about the human experience. And I think creatives are very much trying to understand that human experience and trying to relate to other people. And we're very passionate about finding that connection. Mm. I think it's really important to reiterate that it is there to entertain. I think we forget that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we did a production in my final year of uni. Our final production was based on a play called Ubura by Alfred Jerry. And it's French. Obviously, I'm not French and I never studied French, so I cannot pronounce it properly. Um, but that play started with the word merde or shit. Mm-hmm. And it, there were riots. Yeah. Like people got up and left because he was trying to provoke something. Mm-hmm. And so our final year production we didn't do that play but we kind of took the storyline of it and we were like what do we have to do now in what year was it in 2012 what do we have to do to provoke the same outrage from an audience and it we put some stuff on stage that was really hard like our university refused to put their logo on our posters because it was that what's the word offensive really like we we um showed scenes of abuse of rape of like awful awful things Mm -hmm. and we did it in a way that a lot of it we were getting the audience to laugh at it and then we turned around halfway through the play and we're like well hold on what are you laughing at like you're laughing at child abuse Mm -hmm. and that kind of thought-provoking theater I think definitely has its place Yeah. But I think it's got to be quite self-aware. You've got to handle it carefully. And I think a lot of the time we maybe go too far down 
that route and forget that entertainment is just as valid, you know, like going to Mamma Mia when you feel sad, it's going to hit the spot. Especially if you have a few gins like I did, you will be up singing and dancing in the aisles by the end of the show. You will be that dancing queen and you will walk out going, I feel so good now. It's the best medicine. (laughs) That's it. You know, and I think that's, it's a very key thing to remember with, with performances, you know, theater does exist to entertain and to tell stories and to hold a mirror sometimes to the human experience. Absolutely. Mm. And talking about experience, what is the biggest thing that you have learned on your journey so far? It's so much. <laughs> uh, I think oh, it's got to be the, like to trust yourself. It's got to be. You've got to have your own back. I'm not very good at it, but I know that that's, that's the thing that you've got to do. That It's taken me a long time to learn that as well. Because obviously when I was younger, I was like every young 18, 19, 20 year old and goes, I know everything. I'm so good at everything. I'm great. And then you sort of get to your mid twenties and you go, oh shit, I don't know anything. Um, and then you get to your late twenties and you start going, do you know what? I know a few things, but, and this is the key bit, I've got so much to learn and just trusting that you're fine as you are and being able to like trust yourself and be like, cool, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm learning, but I'm good. This is what I am right now. And that's fine that's okay actually it's more than okay that's great like this is me yeah I think that's that's a key thing to, especially in an industry with so much rejection so much comparison if you don't have your own bat you're kind of up shit's creek with that yeah mm. yeah because if you don't trust yourself who will who will yeah. trust you you know and I think it does reflect through like I absolutely agree with you I've it's it's a learning curve as well but like especially now where I'm a bit more calm and like a bit more, yeah, I can do this. It does already reflect on my work. Yeah. I understand where you're coming from. It's like, you don't feel as much pressure to be perfect. It's like, Mm. like that audition thing, you know, you just go in and you do what you can do and you're like, cool, that's me. I'm done. Whereas, you know, when you're like 20, you go and going, I must get this job. And yeah, we need the jobs to pay our bills. But like, if you go in with a different mindset, it just changes everything (laughs) yeah and what makes you unique as a creative oh my god um (laughs) I don't know (laughs) uh what makes me unique as a creative that's such a big question purposely put there (laughs) yeah I don't know I don't know how to answer it without like sounding like a right dickhead you Uh, are allowed to though it's your self-love moment Maybe that's it. Maybe it's that I'm really not afraid to laugh at myself. I'm really not afraid to say the thing that everyone's thinking. I'm not, I'm never going to be the one who is in a room or a workshop and, you know, they say, right, has anyone got any questions? And everyone sits there very politely going, yeah, I've got like 50, but I'm too scared to ask. And I just want people to think that I'm like, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, no, actually, I don't know what you meant. Could you explain? And I think I think that's what that's what makes me a bit more unique is that I'm never gonna shy away from being that person. Yeah. I don't always enjoy being that person, but someone has to be. Otherwise, we're never gonna know the answer to the question. Very true. And that's very valuable. So keep it up. It would be great if there were more people like that. <laughs> so it's not always me being the first one to speak up, but it kind of, it, 
I see it as almost like a facilitator because as soon as you open that door and someone asks that question, other people are like, oh, okay, cool, I can ask the questions. Mm. But I think that comes from being a teacher as well. So I wonder if that, maybe it's that. I don't know. There's so many things that I can answer this question with. I don't know. I, I don't know. Like this is one where I'm like, my little perfectionist is like, what's the right answer? <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no right or right wrong answer. one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. I love your answer. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Always and- looking for validation. <laughs> <laughs> and before we come to a close, is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners today? Do you know what? I was thinking about this when I was having my shower earlier today and I can't remember what I was going to say. I think it was probably something along the lines of trusting yourself and, you know, just trusting. That's what it was. Got it. Comparison. It was about comparing yourself. So there are definitely a few performers back home and over here who I will look at and be like, oh my God, I wish... I wish I could sing like that. I wish I could dance like that. I wish I looked like that. I wish I sounded like that. And it's so easy to get down on yourself. Like I've I've had genuine conversations with a um, psychologist about like my issues with comparison and with self-doubt and with perfectionism and just wanting to be like all of those things. But the thing that we don't see is that other people feel the same way about us yeah you know we forget that we forget it and you almost have to take a back seat from like actively take a back seat from your thoughts and go well hold on hold on yes I feel like that about this person why why do I feel so insecure about them is it because they've got the jobs that I want is it because they're at every audition I go to is it because they get you know, everyone thinks the sun shines out their bum and why don't they think that about me? But everyone's on their own path. So success for this person might look like a touring contract with that company that you really wanted or playing that role that you know you're born to play. But success for you is just going to come differently. Yeah. And it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it less valid. Like, I literally had to tell myself in the shower this morning, I was having a little wobble, a little thought wobble. And I was like, oh, why am I so like, I don't feel like I'm the person who should be talking on this podcast. I was like, no, like you are valid. Yes. So maybe that's it. That's what my advice is to anyone is you are valid and you need to tell yourself you are valid. It doesn't matter what's going on. You're valid. Absolutely. And I think, it's so you've said such cool things like you just said like question why you are jealous or why those feelings and emotions are coming up and why you have to compare yourself that little word why I mean even you just saying that now I was like that is so I never ever questioned the why but like investigating that is so valuable to yourself and I think I think we all forget how much each individual human being brings to our experience and like it's absolutely as I said like everyone's path is so unique and so 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 valuable to someone else as well as us absolutely and also because you just said that there was a quote I read this morning I need to find it there we go about competition which is like big in our industry but listen to this I was like I don't know why it stuck with me but 
to be better than is not necessarily to be good. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Ah, oh, that's such a like. There's so much in that. There is so much in that. I love it. Because, like, for example, if I'm better than, I don't know, Lucy next door, mm. it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm good, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what? Like, um, Simon said something to me last night because I was talking to him about um, my like issues with perfectionism and he was like you don't have to be perfect to be good at something yeah you know and Lucy from next door might be looking up to you and going oh my god Christiana is so good and you're sat there beating yourself up because you're like I haven't quite got that mix right on that note you know yeah it's it's almost uh, really important to take a step back sometimes and almost like without being up yourself, take a look at how other people might see you or even just ask them, <laughs> be like, hey, I'm feeling poos. Can you please tell me like something good? Yeah. Speaking of quotes, am I able to just read something that Kaylee sent me? Yeah. So she's reading Big Magic at the moment um, and I will, I'm going to plug it. So Kaylee runs Prep Your Rep, which is just incredible. And that's how we know each other. Um, And yeah, so she's reading Big Magic at the moment. And I think yesterday morning she sent me a message and was just like, good morning. I was reading my book this morning and I found this quote and you need it. So the worry is that what students of the arts are often seeking in higher education is nothing more than proof of their own legitimacy proof that they are for real as creative people because their degree says so. On one hand, I completely understand this need for validation. It's an insecure pursuit to attempt to create. But if you're working on your craft every day on your own with steady discipline and love, then you are already for real as a creator and you don't need to pay anybody to affirm that for you. And it just, I was like, oh, yep, that's me. Thanks, Kaylee. (laughs) (laughs) that's beautiful because I think that's really important to remember as well and that goes to that like trusting yourself and not comparing yourself you don't need a piece of paper to validate you you know as long as you're getting up every morning and doing that ballet class on YouTube or whatever as long as you're getting up going for that run to keep your fitness up you're doing those that you're you're warming up before you sing Erin you know like you're doing the things that you need to be doing you are legit Yeah. You know, whether or not you've played that dream role yet, doesn't matter. You're still a performer. You're still legit. You're still valid. Absolutely. Yeah. And I needed to hear that. So I assume somebody else probably needs to hear it as well. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's really, I'm, I think it's really important as well, because if you think about it, the way that you've just like read it as well, in order to get into those schools, you need to kind of already be acting So if you go to the school or not, the school is just basically, it might give you a bit more discipline, but like if you want it so badly, I think you can get your discipline yourself. And you just have to keep going. You just have to keep going. Yeah. But in order to get in, you essentially already need to have a specific, you know, acting experience. So essentially you don't really need that school in a way. It's, it's a bit like, this is going to sound really ridiculous, but it's a bit like, you know, those rock tumblers. 
So like you, mm. you're already a really pretty rock, but you get put in the tumbler for two days or two years and you come out shiny and polished. Yeah. Yeah. But you're still the same rock. Yeah, exactly. But the journey after school as well, you're still learning. Things are still evolving. Yeah. Like now yeah. things has changed so much. So yeah absolutely I mean I did an acting course as part of my degree you know so like I've studied acting at university level Mm. but that was 10 years ago things have changed so much like you know we'll still look at the same things we'll still go "Mm mm-hmm Stanislavski mm -hmm, mm -hmm." there's a beat mm mm-hmm but like the way that I'll approach acting now is so different to what I learned at school yeah I'm not going to sit with my script and meticulously write every motivation in I'm going to be reading between the lines now mm. and looking at, you know, the scene as a whole, as opposed to going, um, what is the Stanislavski thing? It's like you write your objective for the line. So yeah. it's that, you know, if my line is give me that potato, my objective is I want that potato for whatever reason. Um, I don't do that so much when I'm looking at a script now, I'll sort of, I'll, I'll read the whole thing as a whole and sort of look more at the psychological aspect of it. And that's just from life experience, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for sharing that quote, though. It was really lovely and a good one to end with. <laughs> Love a good quote. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey. It's been an inspiring afternoon. It's afternoon. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I honestly, I was nervous, but I have loved it. And I think that just goes back to that whole thing about trusting yourself to be valid. Like, mm. you know. You wouldn't have asked me if I wasn't worthwhile. (laughs) Self-belief with the clapping emoji. (laughs) I always do things as if people can see me and I'm like, they can't, (laughs) (laughs) Christian. Exactly. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Artist Avenue will be back next Tuesday with another exciting interview. Make sure to follow us on social media and keep up to date with all the artists and their wonderful projects. Your support for this podcast honestly means the world to me. For now, keep smiling, keep listening, and I'll see you all next week.